0: He hates talking about the grace of God. He hates talking about what Jesus did on the cross. He hates the concept of us understanding that there is no separation any longer between us and God. Because he wants to keep us away from God, right? He wants to do anything he can to keep us from drawing closer to Jesus. And so he freaking hates what we're going to talk about. Which means I freaking love what we're going to talk about. Because I like to piss off the devil which maybe that's, like, immature of me, but what are you going to do? I'm only human, right? Perhaps you see my shirt. Sorry, CJ. Saints and sinners. This might have something to do with what I'm going to talk about tonight, which I noticed when I saw the shirt, and I'm like, "Ah, that's an object lesson. I'm going to wear it. Okay, so sometimes the Christian life is harder then maybe it was advertised to us when we were younger. I don't know if anybody ever feels that way. Sometimes it's a bit of a struggle. Sometimes it seems like everybody else is going closer to God, and we're maybe not, or at least nowhere near as fast as everybody else. And uh, uh, the way a lot of people describe their Christian walk to me is it's like two steps forward, one step back. Another step forward, another step back. And it's, it's just struggle. It's like I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not really growing or maturing or whatever it is they have in their head that somebody put there as this is what it means to be a Christian and this is what it means to grow and this is what it means to mature. Um, and I think that that kind of stagnant aspect of our relationship with God or struggle or whatever you want to call it, um, the main reason for most people that that happens is because of our sin because we know that we sin. We know that deep down we basically suck, right? We don't really deserve anything from God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you've never felt that way, I am amazed, because you are the most unique Christian ever. Um, Because the devil tells us that all the time. Often the church reinforces that by being totally obsessed with sin I don't know how many of you grew up in a house or in a church um, or in a fellowship group or whatever, where people just, they talk about sin all the time and how terrible we are and how much we have to stop sinning and all this kind of stuff. It's like people are totally obsessed with sin. Christians aren't supposed to be obsessed with sin because God's not obsessed with sin, and we're going to talk about that. Um, And so the reality is that there is nothing holding you back from God, as we sang, there is nothing keeping you from drawing closer to God. Absolutely nothing. And I, I first had this revelation from God. I didn't, like, come up with this. Um, my junior year in college, and it totally changed my life. And, you know, as with any revelation of any truth from Scripture, there's, you know, levels. And so, like, that was the first big revelation I had about this. And since then, there's been subsequent ones that have all been huge. And uh, this was also the second sermon I ever preached. Not, like, the exact sermon, but, like, the topic. Because um, it's so huge. And I remember sharing about it then and talking with people about it afterwards, and they're all like, I've never heard the concept that I can draw as close to God as I want to, because isn't my sin keeping me from that? Because doesn't sin separate us from God? Because that's what I was taught. And then I thought about that a lot. And then I'm like, you know what? That's a really bad theology, the idea that sin separates us from God, because it's not true. And actually, it's heresy. For a non-Christian, it's true. But for a Christian, it's heresy. That means very untrue and dangerous. Um, if you don't know what the word heresy means, Andre can tell you. He is well-versed in heresy. I mean that in a good way. <laughs> not like experientially. I understand heresy. Um, so I think, I think the main reason we feel like failures in our Christian life is because we know we sin. And we're not supposed to. We're supposed to be perfect, Right? But we sin, we sin, we fall all the time, we fail. Um, And so we're like, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve God's blessings. I don't deserve, maybe we even say I don't deserve God's love. But a lot of us are willing to say, okay, God loves me anyway, Um, just like a parent loves their child no matter what. And so God loves us no matter what. And that's true. My kids don't do anything to deserve me being nice to them or giving them stuff or blessing them, or helping them, or loving them, or anything. My kids don't deserve anything to do that. Sometimes quite the opposite. (laughs) But you know what? I bless them anyway. I love them anyway. I give them everything I possibly can anyway, because they're my kids. They didn't choose to be my kids. They didn't sign up for, I want to join the Nate's Kids Club, right? I had those children, and God chose to make you his child. The Bible says you were adopted, into the family of God, God took you, adopted you as his kid, and put you in Christ. So that's who you are. He adopted you as his kid. He doesn't disown his children. Right? You are his kid, no matter what, and so you deserve everything that a child of God deserves because of that, not because of what you've done, because of who God is and what God decided to do. So I want to talk about this no separation thing. If you want to look this up, Cool. It is, oh, I printed on two sides. No wonder. It's like, where is my notes? Okay. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Why don't you look that up? If you wish, Isaiah 59, 2. So I said the concept that sin separates us from God is no longer true for Christians. It's actually heresy. And so I want to read Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Wait, what? Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Okay, is that just the exact opposite of what I said? Yes. But this is the old covenant. Remember the whole old covenant, new covenant thing? So under the old covenant, our sins separated us from God. That's the concept of holiness. God was holy. He was perfect. We weren't. And so that caused a natural separation between us and God. We couldn't get any closer to God than a certain degree because he was holy and we weren't. And so there, there was this, all this sacrifice stuff where God would like pretend a lamb would, would make do and all that sort of thing. Um, and he did that because he wanted to have a relationship with us. But there was separation all over the place. Uh, you remember the tabernacle and the temple? That was a visual picture of that separation that exists between us and God. So you have the temple, this building separate from the rest of the community. And within the temple, you have the holy place, another separation even within the temple. And within the holy place, there's the holy of holies, yet another building and yet another separation. And then even within the holy of holies, there was like a veil, a big tapestry curtain thing, hanging down the middle, separating that part of the holy of holies from the other part where the presence of God was. So it's separation after separation after separation after separation. And that's the picture of the Old Covenant. That's what it means. Sin separates us from God. But then that happened. You see that? What's that? The cross. Jesus dying on the cross. When that happened, it changed everything. And there is no separation anymore. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, that veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom as a symbol, that there isn't that separation anymore. That separation doesn't exist between us and God anymore. Why? Because what was it that separated us from God? Our sin, right? And Jesus took all of our sin on the cross, every bit of it, every ounce of it. Our sin is what separated us from God. Jesus took all our sins. And so what is there left to separate us from God? Nothing. And that was actually the point of the whole the whole point of the cross, right? Was to make it so that we're not separate from God anymore. And then God puts us in Christ on the cross, and we die with him. And then we are raised with him to new life. That's the baptism the picture in baptism, right? We die to our sins, and we raise up a new person, a new creation, a new life, something different that's no longer separated from God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I know this is like Sunday school stuff. This is like Christianity 101. And yet, most Christians that I know don't live their life as if their sin no longer separates them from God. Instead, they live their life as if every time they sin, it screws up their whole life, it messes up their relationship with God, and it just ends everything. I don't know if you've ever been there. Again, if you never have, I'd be absolutely amazed. And the devil comes and he says, oh, really? You're going to pray now after you thought this and after you said that to her and after you did this five years ago? Because he likes to bring up really old stuff sometimes. And the devil comes and he says, really? You're going to draw closer to God now. You. You. After you did that stuff, give me a break. God is holy. You suck. Who do you think you are to draw close to God? You can't get away with that. And he tells us all this stuff that are lies. Now, did we actually do those sins? Probably. There's, there's no, I have no shortage of things that the devil can bring up that are accurate. But he comes and he lies about them to get me from, keep me from drawing closer to the Lord. Because that's what God wants, and it's what the devil hates. And so he comes and he says, you can't draw closer to the Lord. You can't ask for blessings from God. You can't ask for spiritual gifts. You can't expect God to use you in some sort of powerful way. You stink. There's no way that can happen. And Jesus is like, ah, not true. Not true. And so Jesus comes to us, and he says, hey, You're my beloved child. You're awesome. I love you. I have all this stuff for you. I have all these gifts for you. I have all this power, this authority, this spiritual stuff, all this great stuff, and I want you to have it. And we say what? Well, actually, uh, no, I'm not worthy of that. I don't deserve that, God, because of this sin or that failure or this lack of maturity or whatever we want to call it. I don't deserve that. I'm not worthy of that. So we tell God he's wrong about all the stuff he says in scripture that we are like righteous and holy and loved and blessed. And we say, no, I'm not those things. I don't deserve that because of my sin. And Jesus says, what sin? Like literally what are you talking about? I have no idea. God doesn't know what we're talking about when we bring up our sin like that because the sin was there 2,000 years ago and it's gone now. And Psalm 103 says that as far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgressions from us. And how far is east from west? We live in a sphere, right? Infinite, you know? Okay, that's the point. God literally has the ability to take out the memory of our sin from his God brain and get rid of it. Only God can do that. Humans can't do that, right? We can't forget stuff. We might forgive things. but We can't really forget them. But God can. And the Bible says he actually does. So we're like, but God, I've done all this stuff and I'm so terrible. And, and, and how am I ever going to get married because I, I screwed up in this way? And how am I ever going to get a great job because I wasn't faithful in this one? And, and all this kind of stuff. And God's like, what are you even talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. You're like a crazy little child. I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't remember that stuff. That stuff is gone. That stuff was put in Christ. All I see now when I look at you is Jesus. I see a beloved child who is becoming more and more like who he really is, which is more and more like Christ. And I want to give you everything he deserves. I want to give you all the love he deserves. I want to give you all the blessings he deserves. That's why I put you in Christ, so I could give you everything. And yet, we keep bringing up our sin, and we keep bringing up this stuff. And... I don't think God can get frustrated, but if he could, I would imagine that would frustrate him. Um, And sometimes when I get preachy, I get loud. I'm not yelling at you, okay? Um, Because we've all done this, and and I I, I was challenged with this today. There's, you know, all the spiritual warfare going on, super busy week, all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And so then this morning, of course, is the morning that my kids decide that they're not going to listen to anything I say and that they're gonna get peanut butter all over their clothes and that they're gonna not get their shoes on and they're and just one thing after another, boom 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 boom, and I start I start allowing myself to get frustrated. Okay? And and then I and then I sort of are like, okay, like I get I get upset, you know, I allow myself to get upset. They don't Someone else doesn't make you upset. That's a choice, and I, which I tell my kids all the time, and yet I chose to do it. And so I get upset, and I'm like, you know. And, and they finally, they're getting in the, in the van, and the two-year-old's like, I want to do it myself. And I'm like, we don't have time, because we're already 10 minutes late to VBS. I'm trying to bring them to vacation Bible school, okay, to make it even more hilarious. And so I finally get everybody in the car, and then Andrew picks that delightful moment to start arguing with me about something. It's like, read the room, dude, or the van. Like, come on, you don't argue with someone Who's clearly upset, and he learned his lesson because Dad blew up and yelled at him, like straight up yelled in the van, like not cool, right? I hate doing that. I do not like to do that, and especially because I'm kind of large in stature and terrifying to to most humans. And if you're a small human, I would imagine it would be even scarier to have me yelling at you. Um, And the fear of God is a good thing, but I don't want to strike terror into my children. You know what I mean? And so I yelled, and um, I explained to him, <laughs> trying to turn it into a teaching moment in a really pathetic way, um, that you don't argue with someone who's clearly in a bad mood and upset. This was, you know, this was bad. And we start going, and they're just like, okay, okay. And like, uh, Kaylee, my daughter, asked to listen to a song that I bought her last night. We, we listened to it a couple times. And she wanted to listen to it like 50 times. It's uh, a song you've all heard. But down, down, down to the river, like that one. It's a pretty cool song. And it's very one republic. But, um, and so she wanted to listen to it like all night. I'm like, no, nope, we can listen to it tomorrow on the, way to the, on the way there in the car. But after all this stuff, she's like, can I listen to my song? And I'm like, no. No songs. And I'm like throwing it in reverse driving too fast back in my driveway and she starts bawling. And she can't help it. She's six and she's been looking forward to this thing and it was mostly Andrew's fault that they were getting in trouble anyway. And now she's bawling. And so I feel amazing at this point. Not only did I let myself get frustrated and upset, yell at my kids, now I made Kaylee cry. And it's just like, okay, this is awesome. And so I like, try to drive and take some deep breaths and practice piece, which I had clearly been failing at, <laughs> which is why I did this, um, and then I, I put her song on, which helped, um, and then we, we finally got to the church where I'm dropping them off for VBS, and I'm like, okay, now, do we, do we know why dad was upset, and they're like, yes, we weren't listening to you, and we argued with you, like, they were ready with the we know what we did wrong, you know, response, and I'm like, okay, and <laughs> we could just swap, we could just, you know, we live like three doors down from each other, and we can just swap yelling at each other's children. But um, That probably wouldn't be good. But, uh, yeah, and then I'm, you know, I apologized to them that I yelled. told them I'm sorry, or I love you, so that they knew that before they went off to VBS, um, that daddy loves them, you know. Uh, kind of a big deal. I didn't want my kids going into VBS and start crying because they just got yelled at on the way there. Um, so, anyway, I, you know, I don't like to do that. Obviously, that was wrong. That was a sin to let myself get angry, yell at my kids, upset my kids in that way. Did they deserve it? Not the point. Um, I'm the parent. Like, I'm the adult. They're the not adults. And so I do all this and I, you know, I feel like crap. I feel like total crap. I'm like, all right, time to go home and get ready for my sermon. Um, And God's just like, yeah, what's the sermon on? And I'm like, it's on how when we sin, it doesn't ruin our relationship with you, and that we can repent and move on and get closer to you. And God's like, uh-huh. Sounds, sounds like a good sermon. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to take a few minutes now and pray and, like, let this go, because I easily could have allowed that to ruin the whole day and all this kind of stuff, right? Or even stayed mad the whole day. I have that ability, <laughs> um, but thankfully, I let it go, and I prayed, and you know God is gracious, and He was right there, and He forgave me, and I felt better. I still want to go hug my kids when I get home, <laughs> you know, so that they know for sure that I forgive them and I love them. But uh, so that was my that was my sermon illustration that happened today. Um, and I know that. I'm forgiven and I can just move on. It doesn't wreck my relationship with my kids or God or anybody else. And the, the way that most of us, I think, most Christians I know live our lives, is that we, we're walking towards God, like, like the cross there, and we're walking towards God, and then we stumble, right? We fall, we screw up, we sin, we mess up, and it's bad. And we sit here and we go, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, I'm so stupid. That was so dumb. Is that going to like ruin my life? Is that going to This was a big one this time. Is this going to ruin my chances to get the career I want, find the spouse I want, be blessed by God, whatever it is. I, have I ruined it? And we we sit here and we wallow and we stare at ourselves and at what we've done. And that's not what God wants us to do. That's not what we were intended for. That's not what this paid for. Right? Because this was already forgiven. We just repent and we head back to Jesus. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to walk and when we stumble, we're like, oh, that was stupid. Thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. And we just keep going. And that's it. And there are some Christians who will be like, no, this was a really bad thing. Like, you should wallow in misery for a year or go to purgatory or something. And I'm just like, that's not in the Bible. That's, that's terrible theology. Um, why don't we flip to Romans 8. Romans 8. And first I'm going to read a verse from Ephesians. So sin no longer separates us from God. We're not separated from God anymore. Ephesians 2.13 says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we used to be far off. We were separated from him. And now we've been brought near by the cross, by the blood of Jesus Christ, by what Jesus did for us. And so we are now near to him. And so we don't need to be like, uh, you know the story of the prodigal son, right? He finally comes to his senses and comes back to his father. And he goes up and he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just let me be a servant, and that'll be good enough. And does the father say, yeah, you're right. You're not worthy to be a son. You'll just be a servant. Come feed the pigs. Well, they wouldn't have pigs. They were Jewish. but um, No, what does the father say? He actually doesn't say a word. He, bi- he, just, he just runs over and he hugs him. And he puts the ring on his finger, like the family ring. Right? You are my son. And he puts the sandals on his feet. because slaves didn't wear sandals. Servants didn't wear sandals. Only, only the, the people of the house wore sandals. So he put that on his feet. He put his own robe on him. You are my son. He had a party. He killed his best cow. I had a huge party because that is how God reacts to us. He doesn't just want us to be a lowly servant. He's called us to be his, ch- his child, his son, his daughter. That's who we are. And so we were once far off, but now we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so your sin can't stop you from growing closer to the Lord. Okay? And this is like, you all know all this. You've all heard all this before, but I'm t- telling you for real. What's that? What's that? Unless you let it. That's the thing. There is no problem from God's end of things in in terms of sin and stuff. When when we sin, we just repent and we move on. Repent means to turn back (laughs) to Jesus. Instead of whatever we were doing, we turn back to God. And then it's done. Because they were already paid for on the cross. That's a past tense thing. That's a 2,000 years ago, super super long time ago thing. That our sins were paid for on the cross. Right? And so... When we do mess up, when we do screw up, that doesn't affect our relationship with God from God's point of view. Because remember, he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But we let it affect it because we feel shame. We feel condemnation. We feel bad about what we've done. And we don't live in the grace of God. We don't live in the forgiveness of God. Romans 8, I'll read 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, now, Romans 6, 7, and 8 are the main chapters in the Bible that talk about all the stuff we're talking about tonight. And Paul goes into it in extreme detail. So if you want, if you feel like, I feel like I, I, I need to learn get this more, I need to learn it more, because I don't live my life as if I'm totally forgiven. I don't live my life as if I have grace. I'm letting stuff get in the way between me and God. I, I encourage you to read Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 like over and over and over again. And so Paul, when talking about the fact that Our sin doesn't separate us from God anymore. finally gets to Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of flesh and for sin, he condemned sin, there on the cross, in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so all the righteousness of Jesus is now in us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him sin who knew no sin. So he made Jesus into sin itself on the cross, even though he knew no sin himself so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Through Jesus, we are the righteousness of God. We are righteous. But I still sin. I'm like a saint and a sinner at the same time, right? We're a saint, we're a sinner. But the Bible says, actually, no, you're just a saint. You're not a saint and a sinner at the same time. You're a saint. You might keep sinning, but that's you living in your old self. That's you living in the guy who is actually dead. The person I have now made you to be is not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God. You're not a sinner anymore. That's not your identity. We might still struggle with that. Sometimes we struggle with it all the time. Right? But that's not who we really are. Who we really are is the righteousness of God. And it's not because of us. (laughs) In our old self, we deserve nothing. But because we are in Christ, now we deserve everything. We deserve every forgiveness, every blessing, absolutely everything Jesus deserves, which is like you know the universe, because he's Jesus, right? Everything Jesus deserves, we now deserve, because God put us in Jesus for a purpose, so that we could get all that stuff. And in fact, he's already given us all of that stuff. We just need to learn how to live out the fact that he's already given us all these blessings. there's like 40 more scriptures, but I won't read all of them. And so sometimes we have this concept that once I sin, I'm like I kind of wrecked my relationship with God somehow or I'm, I'm outside the blood of Jesus or whatever you want to say. Like I've, I've ruined it and I need to get back into rightness with God. But that's not true either. Like that's not biblical. We are righteous. You are right with God. And it it only makes sense. If Jesus defeated sin on the cross, then your sin tomorrow can't defeat Jesus. Right? Because the blood of Jesus is stronger than your sin. We all believe the blood of Jesus is stronger than our sin. That's why we're saved, right? So your sin tomorrow doesn't somehow mess up, get you out of relationship with God. Because it's already been proven that Jesus' blood is stronger than your sin. So to say, oh, yeah, but I did something wrong, so I'm like way outside now. No, 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 no. There is no outside. Like you're a child of God, all you have to do is repent. The forgiveness is already there. He's a, He's like, yeah, I knew you were gonna sin. Here's the forgiveness. Just come get it. It's already there. Okay. So we don't need to get right with God once we've done a bunch of stuff wrong. Him. We already right with God through Him, already. Are we with me? I know this can get like a little confusing, but it's really important that we get this stuff. Um, flip to Ephesians four. I think this will probably be the last passage we look at. This is a huge topic. There's so much stuff we could go through. Now, it's important when we talk about this, we talk about grace, we talk about the fact that sin doesn't separate us from God, that God loves us and accepts us no matter what, et cetera, et cetera. It's very important that we mention, by the way, we're not saying you can just go ahead and sin whatever you want, right? Because someone could hear this message and be like, so you're saying God loves me no matter what. Yes, I am. Okay, so then I can just go do whatever I want, right? No. Well, why not? Why can't I just do whatever you want? And Paul talks about that here. He also talks about it in Romans 6, 7, and 8. He's like, if, if grace is there and grace is good and we can get as much grace as we have to cover over our sins, then shouldn't we sin more so that we can get more grace? And Paul's like, no! Like, certainly not, it says in Greek, but like, in Greek, basically that means no freaking way is like the wording in Greek. No freaking way. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying you can just go ahead and sit whenever you want. We're not saying you can just do whatever you want, that there is no law anymore. It's just that the law has been fulfilled in Jesus, and we have forgiveness. Ephesians 4, we're going to look at 17 through 24. That sort of talks about this. It talks about the old life, the new life. So, uh, 4.17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that was in them. Okay, So they are separated from God, is what Paul is saying. Because when you're not in Christ, your sins do separate you from God. right? And that's the way these people are, these non-Christians that he's talking about, Um, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, Jesus is the only truth, all truth is in Jesus, everything we need is in Jesus, it's all about Jesus, amen? As the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, put off that old self who is separate from God, that sinner, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and instead be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so he's saying, forget about that old self, that sinner, the sinner, this person's dead, died on the cross with Jesus and rose again in your baptism. This person's dead. This person is alive. Live from who you really are and not from who you used to be. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You have been recreated in true righteousness and holiness. God doesn't just pretend you're righteous and holy now. He has actually made you righteous and holy now for real. Which is crazy because I remember myself. I remember this morning yelling at my kids and getting super mad okay but that was me living out of old Nate old dead Nate zombie Nate okay that was the sinner part but I'm not called to be that I'm called to be a saint that's who I really am that's my true self created in true righteousness and holiness and so this is good news okay we don't have to sin anymore because that's not who we are that's not our identity Now, are we still going to mess up from time to time? Chances are, yeah. Right? But as we grow closer and closer to the Lord and learn how to live more and more out of who we really are, the new self, who we've been created to be, it will be less than it used to be, which is awesome. Right? I mean, I, I don't like tally up my sins, but I do sin less than I used to, for sure. Also, the closer you are to God, the more he reveals more sins that you have that you didn't realize you had, like the way you judge other people all the time and all this kind of stuff. And so in actuality, there's maybe a sense in which I'm more aware of my sin now than I used to be. But again, I don't let that keep me from drawing closer to God, because that's what it's about. Anything that keeps you from drawing closer to God is not of God, period. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no shame over what you've done. And you know the difference between guilt and shame? Okay, guilt is when you feel bad. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you or your conscience going, hello, don't yell at that dude. Right? That's guilt. Oh, I did something wrong. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That's good. And we're supposed to respond to that by repenting and turning back to God. And then it's done. It's over. We don't feel bad about it anymore. Right? Shame is that thing that sticks with you and weighs heavy on you, where you keep remembering that thing you did five years ago, and you haven't really fully forgiven yourself, and you don't really believe God has fully forgiven you either. Instead, you're trying to earn his forgiveness by being super good. Okay, That's shame, and it's bad, and it's totally not of God, and it weighs you down It keeps you from being able to go after the Lord like he wants you to. So he doesn't want us to have to experience that. So... I'll confess that I spent hours, I spent years, years and years of my spiritual life wasting my spiritual energy by begging God to forgive me of stuff that he'd already forgiven me for. Because okay, I, I, I'm a recovering Pharisee. Okay? So I used to be totally obsessed with sin, which makes you very legalistic and very judgmental and a lot of other stuff. Okay? So I was pretty obsessed with sin, not only my own but other people's. And very judgy. And I wasted so much time begging God to help me not sin anymore and, and to figure out a way out of it and, and begging God to please forgive me for all these sins. And during all of that time, he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I forgive you for all that stuff. You don't need to try to stop sinning. That's not how we stop sinning. We stop sinning by giving up and surrendering to the grace of God. And when we learn to live in the grace and love of God, He gives us the ability to become who we truly are, who is a saint and not a sinner. That's the only way to get better. The only way to stop sinning is to fall on your face in front of God and say, I'm going to stop trying to do it on my own because I'm not the God of my life. I'm not in charge. You are. So I'm not going to try to do it on my own. I'm going to let you do it through me and through who you've made me to truly be. And I wasted so many years doing that until God was finally like, okay, this is not the way. Let's not waste all our spiritual energy on this. Let's let go of the shame that keeps you from me because it's just dragging you down. So uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll officially close and then we'll do some Q&A for those who want to stick around for a little bit longer. So let's pray. And I wrote out a prayer. So I'm just going to read this. Father God, it's sometimes hard for us to believe that you could love us like you do and that you have made us righteous through Christ even though we were once wretched. But we want to believe it. We want to experience more of your grace in our hearts this week. We commit to you now that we are going to stop punishing ourselves for the sins that have already been punished on the cross. We commit to you that we are going to stop trying to make ourselves better and will instead surrender to your grace. And I want to take a moment right now, just quiet your minds, keep your eyes closed, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to your heart anything that you haven't yet repented for, and to reveal to you things that God has forgiven long ago, but you're still holding on to. So let's just take a minute and let the Spirit speak to you. by the authority given in Scripture, I say to you that your sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name. And I pray against any shame that you carry with you. Shame over things of the past. Shame over things that are happening right now. Shame over just general failure. Shame over ways you see yourself as being less than someone else. I break that shame off of you in Jesus' name. And I command it to go. You do not have to carry that shame. You do not have to hang on to that stuff. Because you have been set free in Jesus Christ. And what he did on the cross was ridiculously successful. He successfully punished all of your sin on that You don't have to be punished now for that. And you don't have to punish yourself. You don't have to carry that shame. He carried your shame for you. Lord, I pray that you would open up all of our hearts to receive more of your love and to walk more in your grace. That when we stumble, that we won't let it sidetrack us. That we would just keep right on going towards you. I pray that you would help us to leave here tonight free free from our sin free from our past all chains broken in Jesus name Amen and as a benediction I'm going to read Romans Romans 8:37 through 39 that says this In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things in the past, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.